Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. stoppies <laughs> oh stoppies that's we're, what i wanted to do <laughs> <laughs> we're old we're dumb and we're covered in cum <laughs> hot white cum uh, white cum white cum maybe uh, i'm not doing sex right i don't know if it's like hot <laughs> lukewarm i never <laughs> thought to think of the temperature quite honestly liz has really opened up something for me to explore thank oh. you Oh, for sure. It's pretty hot. I think the de- I think that's something in um, in like Dante's Inferno though is that the devil has ice cold cum. He's like the spearmint of dicks. Yeah. So your humanity is like, you know, proportionally tied to the heat of your cum. Mm, that's good. Got to it. Know. Got it. Got it. Well, we're less than a minute in, folks, and we're already on cum talk, and I, <laughs> I started it, so I have no one to blame but myself. Uh, this is true. Welcome to another episode of uh, Make It Come. I mean, uh, Make It Stop. <laughs> Bad music. <laughs> Good times. Uh, I'm Heather Rack. I'm Mike Dunn. Um, so as uh, you might have guessed, we are here with a, a wonderful guest, our dear, dear friend, friend of the pod, friend of me, um, professional badass, professional wrestler, semi-professional wizard, and president of the board of Girls Rock Camp Boston. This is true. And also generally very cool in many other regards, but I don't want to shout out all your other roles because they probably wouldn't appreciate this podcast. So yes, we have VQ, our dear friend, uh, fellow Blow Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers member. Um, and you should re- remember her from a absolutely legendary episode of the podcast, very early first season, uh, which was the White Rapper Roundup where we decided to give Kevin Federline a pass so that we could go fucking ham on Northern State. 
the most fucking insipid, self-indulgent fucking neo-lib neo-lib anti-woke sleep rap music from privileged white girls from oberlin um but heather it was a different time you have to understand oh shit they went to oberlin too yeah <laughs> wait liz fair went to oberlin yes they wow the connection listen i don't want oberlin to come after me <laughs> let's relax <laughs> let's let's oh. relax circle <laughs> <laughs> umass amherst at war with oh yeah because vq also went to umass with us or like semi-overlapping with us yeah state school kids going after yeah this is now a, an oberlin beef podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're just here to fuck on oberlin um yeah so we talked about northern state actually i believe that um hesta print blocked you oh no it was brandy blaze she got in a fucking war with Brandy Blaze specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I think you made the wise decision to not engage on that thread. I tried to, I, I wanted to, but I also felt like really overwhelmed. Um, you know, white anger. Over, overwhelmed. Yes, over, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. There's a lot of like white feminist anger and tension, which generally makes me uncomfortable. It's part of why as much as I love Northampton, it was hard to be there. Um, so yeah, I was yep. like, I'm just gonna chills it. Cause also one of the members of the band, oh, I have an indirect link to them in terms of where my friend works. And I didn't want them to like fully discover that link. So I was like, I'm just gonna lay low because she might look at my picture and be like, wait, I remember you, you're that person's friend. <laughs> Cause there's not a lot of brown people like in that circle. So like I would be somewhat easily identified. Yeah. Right. There's so few brown people that not a single one of them took fucking Hesta Prin aside <laughs> and no, said, that's true. <laughs> said, hey girl. <laughs> Listen, Quest Love. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, oh my God. I forgot about that. Don't wow. even get me started. Poor <laughs> Quest Love. Quest Love is that guy that like white musicians can bring up as like, you can't criticize me because Quest Love. He's every <laughs> white guy's imaginary best black friend. Him and fucking Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a space that he occupies. <laughs> okay so anyway um the whole thing with this album is liz fair kind of trying to reintroduce herself to you know the to the mainstream i guess because she was an indie darling she started out in you know the early 90s in san francisco making music um with you know in in her bedroom kind of playing guitar uh pretty much self-taught so that was do you guys remember what the name of that her band was oh girly sound girly sound was the name of her band for or like her self-made recordings so she was hmm. recording on a four track take tape recorder but so she so she became like famous in the underground and and critically acclaimed with exile and guyville which was released in 1993 and really the big thing that people always praise liz fair for was you know, her rawness and honesty and vulnerability in her lyrics and especially, you know, Exile and Guyville, which I actually re-listened to, to like get like a full sense of Liz Fair's musical capacity and like musical, um, like trademark, uh, to, to before listening to this album, because I wanted to like get in touch with that album and remember why it's so good. Have you guys listened to Exile and Guyville? What are y'all's takes on that album? 
It's funny because I re-listened to it too. You know, obviously like when Liz Fair first came out, I was like four years old. So like the album when I was introduced to it was when I started listening to more like indie rock as it was classified, particularly like in high school and college and exploring the 90s and what indie music was at that time. And things have changed a lot around indie music in the early 90s you know, indie music was starting to catch into the mainstream or considered the mainstream. Nirvana made it big. And so there was this sense of, we're gonna mine the indie music scene for the next popular artist. And so in listening to all those sorts of bands, and you know, I remember when I first heard the album and I first heard Liz Fair, I was like, okay, cool, great. But in re-listening to the record, I like it, but I can't say I'm like a huge, huge fan. I think she's really talented overall from my own subjective standpoint I don't know if she's you know the artist for me but that's nothing against her or her music or that album I just think as much as I I admire a lot about it I'm not like so in love with it and Mm -hmm. I think again just to like foreshadow people's negative response to the album the Liz Fair self-titled album I think it's because of that emotional connection and love of what that album represented at that time and that explains like the extreme emotions Mm -hmm. to it and the protectiveness and the resentfulness that came out of Liz Fair the self-titled album that we're reviewing today because it was such a departure in so many ways which we'll we'll get into more but I want to hear from Mike what's your opinion on Exile and Guyville and Liz Fair in general yeah, this is my first time really diving into anything by Liz Fair, but I did listen to um, Exile and Guyville in addition to this self-titled album. Um, and I can see how it was very influential. You know, I, I can hear that sound in, in other bands like, you know, like Pale Hound or mm-hmm. uh, Hop Along. You know, it, it's definitely like a, uh, an influential album, an important album. Um, but I do find it a little long. Yes, um, it's very long. Isn't it like 18 tracks or something? Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's too I many... a little long. Um, I think lyric, the lyrics are where it really shines. There's, yes. a lot of, there's a lot of like clever and like, you know, sexually charged um, lyrics um, on that album. I think she tries to capture that on mm. the self-titled album, but it just comes off as like forcing it. Like, I feel like she, you know... Like there's five, there's four songs in this album written by the Matrix songwriting team, um, who did like Avril Avril Lavigne's first album. They did a lot of other pop music. Britney Spears. Um, but the majority of songs on the Liz on the self-titled album were written by Liz Fair. Um, you know they were written they were produced by um, Michael Penn, who uh, he's like worked with Amy Mann and stuff. He co-wrote yeah. um, uh, Wise Up from the Magnolia soundtrack and like, you know, he, it's, I guess the story is that she, she wrote the whole album. She, she did it all, you know, produced by Michael Penn, did that whole thing, brought it to the label and the label was like, we can't make money off this. We're going to hook you up with the matrix because this was also her, like her previous album was like co-released by Capitol records and with Matador, but this was her first like straight up major label debut. Yeah. And I kind of understand where the label is coming from because the Liz Fair songs on this album that Liz Fair wrote herself, for the most part, are boring and uninspired. So they were like, let's at least have some boring songs on here that we can make money off of. Yeah, there it is. I mean, you just you just kind of called it. So right. And and the thing is, this is they're trying they 
we're like, we need to make a 36 year old mo divorced mother, Avril Lavigne. And that's why this doesn't work in any way, you know? Um, and I would say that like, in some ways, it's almost like Liz Fair has an impossible standard to live up to because the whole thing is that she was like very young when she released Exile in Guyville it was considered this classic album, this super, you know, Gen X, like crystallization of that culture and that, and of, and also of like feminism in that, in that uh, era and this sense of disaffectedness and the se sense of like, you know, fucking men taking up space all the time, never examining themselves, never thinking about how they, you know, impose themselves on other people and, I'm going to be sarcastic and snotty about it. And I actually really like Exile and Guyville. I think there are some, I agree that it's very long, but I, I do resonate with a lot of that. And there are some glimpses of those smart storytelling moments on this album. But, you know, this was 10 years after Exile and Guyville. So she, she came out with some other uh, albums after Exile and Guyville was so, you know, was successful um, and got all this critical praise. She had an album in 94 called Whip Smart, where she got a Grammy nomination for uh, Best Female Rock performance, uh, vocal performance. And then she had another album four years later called White Chocolate Space Egg. Uh, and neither of those really ended up going too far and and this was in the time when people were still buying physical albums so it, you know it, it kind of fizzled for some reason and she also at this time you know she got she was married she had a child um and then got divorced yep. so this is fresh off of the divorce and you know and you get again you get these little pieces and these vignettes and the storytelling of like some pretty cool or not like cool but like some pretty poignant like insights about like you know when you just to like compare them compare her against something like say imagine dragons when they came out about that album that was supposedly about divorce and it was terrible um but like at least there's there's some moments of depth there's some moments of that vulnerability and rawness but especially with the matrix produced tracks it's like it, it it's like her as a 36 year old woman cosplaying herself you know 10 years ago yeah and doing a really bad desperate job of it right and they even like on the album cover she's topless hugging a get an electric guitar oh, i know yeah like, well the guitar is yeah supposed to echo the you know the female figure right you know that's uh, and then i think the other important thing to talk about with this album is just how thoroughly it was fucking trashed in the press it was just yes savaged by the rock critics i think it was unfairly uh like a pinata of yeah. like whatever it, frustrations yep. whatever frustrations or anger gen x had about what happened <laughs> like there was this sense that like you know indie rock was going mainstream somewhat still authentically you know like you had beck you had you know other artists who were kind of like you know they were in the indie scene they were transitioning to be more popular but like there was still a sense that you could still listen to them and feel like kind of like all right they're still cool whatever that right. can mean they're still authentic whatever that means these are all moving target definitions right but i think the liz fair liz fair t album was almost so obvious and she was very clear like i want to make a hit record and she yeah. was almost she was right so obvious about it and so open about it that it created that anger because i think for a lot of people who when it comes to like indie rock indie cred whatever there's nothing worse 
than being obvious about the fact that you want to be liked. Yes. Yeah. And right. that you want to make money. That but, is like the cardinal sin. Even if people are doing it, you have to perform it better. You Even if you do right. want to be popular. It well, especially if you're a woman. And that's yeah. where it gets into this, like this, almost this double bind of yeah. Liz Fair's identity where she's really not able. She's like, you know, she comes out and she's praised for being like subversive and sexual and, you know, raw and you know, kind of sardonic and sarcastic and, and whatever. And then she, you know, her attempts at being sexual, uh, in this stage of her life is, is considered, is like, you look at it and it's like, oh my God, this is, this is uncomfortable. It's desperate and pathetic. And part of that is because of the over-processing and the like production. And the, there are some very cringy lyrics that I have to, you know, give her some blame for but it was also you know her she was like okay like i got all this critical claim but people weren't buying my record so i want to you know have this yeah. level of success you know i deserve it and like meanwhile like cheryl crow like she was performing uh she did backup for um soak up the sun she did vocals on that album and and that song and uh you know that's blowing up and she's like i want some of that and you get Definitely, unfortunately, a lot of Sheryl Crow on this album. You get some like pop country on this album. You get Listen, some- the harmonica on White Hawk Come. <laughs> that that to me was actually more shocking than <laughs> being said repeatedly. Was why the fuck there's a harmonica? <laughs> Talk about hot white come all you want. I'm not scandalized, but the harmonica that threw me for a loop. Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing is, I feel like uh, at the time this came out, um, indie rock circles were like. Ext- like much more provincial uh and, and, and insular so, and judgmental than they are now and all white and male and so like there i i wanted to talk about that too like just these these reviews that she got like the zero she got a 0.0 from pitchfork from a 19 year old white guy on pitchfork who That's later wild. who later like went back and was like you know what i actually regret the way that i i talked about her at the time because it was incredibly unfair like he admitted it and he actually talked to her at one point to like apologize but he you know this is the this is the review 10 years on from exile, which is 10 years ago when you were nine <laughs> child <laughs> who's writing this fucking review. I related so much to blowjob queen as a nine-year-old suburban <laughs> white boy. What a fucking piece of- 10 years on from exile, Liz has finally managed to achieve what seems to have been her goal ever since the possibility of commercial success first presented itself to her to release an album that could have just has easily been made by anybody else. Even the songs on Liz Fair that could be considered shocking or profound are gratuitous and overdetermined, eschewing the stark and accusatory insights of exile in favor of pointless F-bombs, manipulative ballads, and foul-mouthed shmeminism. It's sad that an artist as groundbreaking as Fair would be reduced to cheap publicity stunts and hyper-commercialized teen pop. But then, this is the album she has always wanted to make, one in which all of her quirks and limitations are absorbed into well tested cliches and ultimately one that might as well not even exist so who hurt you but (laughs) and and so you get stuff like that you also get like the new york times megan o'rourke so if a female you know rock journalist saying um that liz fair gushes like a teenager and had quote committed an embarrassing form of career suicide and we know how quick you know women are to (laughs) declare other people's uh yeah (laughs) careers over uh 
it sucks. The, the, the reception was, it wasn't just cold. It was like betrayed. It was like furious. You know what but I that's mean? That's why it's like, I'm not saying the album is, is really good. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the level of like vitriol says more about like indie rock and what that meant to people and authenticity than it does about the album. Like people's reaction to it says more about them and the scene and the culture at that time. Well, there's no room for, yeah, there, I, it, it, that's what I'm saying, that double bind. Like she, yeah. it, it's almost like she couldn't win. You know what I mean? She can't win from the label. She can't win, you know, her personal life stuff is also kind of in shambles at this point. And then, you know, and she's trying to follow up to this huge hype and it, it's all, you're, you're set up to fail in that sense. So I do have some level of like empathy for that, but also, man, yes. Yeah some whack shit on this I album. Would, I'd have more empathy if like, you know, I mean, if this was an album of songs all written by the Matrix, it's like, look, well, look, she's trying to make money. Um, she did fully cross over. Uh, you know, it isn't, it isn't what the indie heads were expecting, but like it was never meant to be. The thing is like, she did write most of the songs on this album. And like, those songs suck compared to Guyville. Like it's not... It's it, certainly, yes, like there are factors of misogyny and, you know, and like dumb scene politics at play. Like that's a huge part of it. And the fact of how hard it would be, how hard it is just in general to like, you know, write something personal and have it be accepted if you're like a 36 year old mom. Um, you know, that's just, it's not, it's not ever going to be cool. It's not ever going to be like attractive to, to uh, the you know largely twenty something year old male yeah the gatekeepers know, of whatever but I mean also like the songs are just boring is the unfortunate thing like, that is the worst part for me yeah. is like if you're gonna sell out sell the fuck out I'm with it you want to <laughs> make some money you're like you know what I'm over this I want people to listen to my music yeah cool. do like uh, celebrity skin from Hole or something yeah like I don't you know this idea of authenticity this idea of like you know, it's wrong to want to make money. Like there's so many things there, but like overall it's just boring. And that's the mm -hmm. worst. Like mm -hmm. if I was Liz Fair, I would almost be like, you know what, if we're going to bring the matrix in, let's really bring them in. And like, really, but really think about, don't put me, don't give me the cast off of Avril Lavigne's album or Hillary yeah. Duff. But that's what it yeah. is. It's Ashley Simpson. And also like, by trying to, to, you know, to play both sides, like it, 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 it's even more to the detriment of the album because those Matrix songs, you know, the way they sound and the, the way they're structured and the lyrics and everything and the production on them, every, every, in every way, they're just completely divorced from the other fucking, you know, seven or eight songs on the album. It's, it's like two mm -hmm. completely different albums that well, both suck in different ways. It's true. You're right. And that's why you can be, you know, you're trying to be everyone, everything to everyone and you end up being nothing to no one. Yeah. But it's especially, I will say like, it's especially hard when you're, when you're a woman in, in the rock industry for sure. And I think we all agree on that. But the issue is that this album is like, I think she knew my diehard fans, like the scenester people, the purists, they're not going to like this, but it doesn't really do enough to get the Cheryl Crow fan yeah. or the, you know. Or to get anybody who's going to listen to Avril Lavigne and, and Ashley Simpson. You yeah. know what I mean? Because again, oh, yeah, it really doesn't work. It doesn't. I was, as an Avril Lavigne fan, because, <laughs> you <laughs> know, I was that age. I was that age listening to Avril Lavigne. And I, you know, obviously now I know she was a package product. Like if you look into Avril Lavigne, she wasn't a skater girl that they found 
like in the middle of Canada. Like she was someone who- She was like a Christian rock singer. She yes, was like Katy Perry, right? She was, like they yeah. found her and basically were like, hmm, you know what? We have so many like pop girls right now. We need Let's to put make, a tie on you. <laughs> yes, Blink-182 Blink is doing really well. Bands like that. Let's make you kind of like that. Let's make you like a lady version of like these pop punkers that we see. That's a new angle. And she was successful in it. At the time, I really thought I was getting an authentic artist with Avril Lavigne, right? Like I really felt that. And at for some, 11, yeah. Fuck at yeah. 11, I was like, yeah, she's different. Like she's <laughs> mad. Like pretty much everyone who's <laughs> going to become a sad girl, Avril Lavigne was a starter drug. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like it sure. was like, oh, like I'm not like other girls. Like that was well, like the beginning of that feeling. It's actually funny that we were talking about this because I think um when we had the episode with Palehound, the first episode of this season, way back when, um, they were talking, you know, Ellen was talking about how Avril Levine was like her earliest, like that was her singer-songwriter like mentor, like through everything that she she does. It's like simple plan and Avril Levine in it, you know, were were those Michelle roots. Branch. And it's funny because Avril Levine was doing like a Liz Fair impersonation of like 1993, right? Like so I could imagine that that existentially must fuck you up. Like Liz Fair must be like, what the fuck? Like Avril Levine, Michelle Branch, all these artists, like I was the singer songwriter who was like singing about real shit, being raw, you know, mm -hmm. putting some, some fuzzy lo-fi sounds on shit. And now all of a and sudden- And they're cosplaying as her while she's cosplaying as them cosplaying as her. So it's, and I think that's like the saddest part for me is like, there's nothing wrong in wanting to make a popular album. I think the issue is that the Matrix and whoever her producers were at the major label, they weren't willing to actually sit down and think, how do we create music that is going to be more marketable, but at the same time is true to you, but actually is interesting. Yeah. Like, how do we actually do that? Because the little people like me who were like, Avril Lavigne is so authentic. Liz Fair was a VH1 artist. Mm -hmm. there was right. a distinction. I think we have to bring that up. There was MTV yes. and VH1. Right. And they were having- It's like Facebook now. and TikTok. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which obviously I'm not a TikToker. So exactly. All are. of us- we are all VH1 now. We are all VH1 now because like at the time I saw Liz Ferris like, who is this like older lady? Like I didn't think of, I didn't know her history. I didn't know, but that's why, because they gave her this sound that kind of sounded like, remember Hillary Duff also Disney tried to make her kind of like an Avril Lavigne-esque. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let the rain on your skin. Oh no, that's unwritten. What oh, that's, that? oh, she was, let the rain come down and yes. make my different because I want to feel the thunder, I want to scream. Anyway, all to say, that was a bop and we know it. Indeed. But the issue was that for them, it was like, okay, we're being introduced to them and we have a relationship with them because they're being sold to us young women, right? As like mm -hmm. every woman and we can relate to them and they're like us. But with Liz Fair, obviously as a 11, 12 year old, yeah, it was hard to connect with her and they weren't, and this could be again, the hardships of being a woman singer songwriter. She wasn't connecting with women of that demographic. And if we did get that album, we would get to the song called White Hot Come. So again, <laughs> who was this album made for? That's why, because exactly, because the Matrix producer asked like, why can't I like, why can't I breathe? Which I'm like, oh God, I hate that chorus. But like, but all to say it was popular. It was a popular song and you might get people who bought it and thought, this is what I'm gonna get from this artist. And then they come to White Hot Come. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of which, I feel like it's probably time for us to jump right on into this shit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No time like the present. So, um, so this album, it is uh, like 50 minutes long. It's not as long as Exile and Guyville, which is cool. Um, and we're going to jump right on into the first track here, which is called Extraordinary. Here we go. Yeah, I drive naked through the park and run the stop sign in the dark. Stand in the street, yell out my heart to make, to make you love me. I am extraordinary if you never get to know me. <sighs> Mm. <laughs> so this is one of the matrix songs they front load them wait i was gonna say i forgot to mention this before which is that i didn't double i didn't check which uh songs were matrix songs so i wanted to guess and i was obviously Ooh. gonna guess that this was a matrix song so for the other ones don't tell me right away okay all right what this matrix? is obviously a matrix song it sounds like a lit song at the beginning it's very yeah. early aughts you get that like whoa, whoa. you yeah. get a lot of that on this album there's a lot of like turn off then turn on like it goes mm. all the way down and then it comes back you know mm. i think that's mm. like it's kind of own way of being like this is rock because we're going to surprise you yeah right yeah it is it really is like a, a pretty basic you know pop song structure um but they they have the heavily distorted guitars like they're at least trying to throw her a bone on this one whereas yeah. some of the other matrix songs are like just avril in every way Hillary Duff in every way. Um, I think this is the best of the Matrix songs. It's I don't love yeah. it, but it almost sounds like a Liz Fair song. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah, you know what it is? It's like, and this is I'm I'm willing to critique myself on this as well. It's almost like too effervescent. Yeah. Like it's too bright. Mm -hmm. it's yeah. very processed the vocals are very very processed sounds but like it, it may not have been made for me so that's fine right right it's it, well and this one is well, an who was it made for it, chardonnay get the cube in the glass right i just dropped off the kids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's time for me to have some me time and i don't think that's bad but it's just i mean i might do that now i just turned 30 and i'm close to getting the cube in there yeah like there's no shame in it you can tell that at least that she wrote like the lyrics on this one, it, it, but it's one of those where it, it, the juxtaposition feels somewhat jarring because you have like these, you know, so, like I drive naked through the park, which is like, you know, this nod to her like dirty girl roots, but it's still the sound is so like sanitized and safe and flat. And then, you yeah. know, she's got these cool lyrics. Like I thought this, you know, see me jump through hoops for you. You stand there watching me performing. What exactly do you do? Have you ever thought it's you that's boring? Who the hell are you? I actually really like that sentiment. Yeah. I feel like that's very, that's very rock and roll. It's very her, but it's juxtaposed with this like super lame, like mid-tempo, like. That's why I don't think her lyric, like I am really impressed with the lyricism. Like whether or not I always like, connect with the actual I, I connect with her lyricism because lyricism is like really gone for music in a lot of ways like actually caring about the lyrics and the lyrics standing on their own yeah because a lot of music now is made where it's like you're just listening it's like a vibe it's like the mood and the lyrics are secondary it's like yes. okay this fits 
So I am impressed by that, but you're right. It's just like, it's, it's juxtaposed with this sound that's so, it's not exciting Darrow. at all. You know yeah. where it's gonna go. Like, I'm like, I know exactly what the song is gonna sound like from the minute, from the first 30 seconds, I'm like, this is what's gonna happen with this song. The chorus is gonna come again. The guitars are gonna go rah, 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 again. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and also i can totally see this being a song and i know it probably was that played in a rom-com like i imagine like you know a white woman like on the streets of some sandra city. bullock yes just like after a triumphant moment being like <laughs> I am. For you, for you. and then she like twirls the fuck around and on like top, realizes yeah. like i don't yeah. need anybody i'm a strong woman but then she falls in love with a very you know rich man but still she had if- that moment where she realized she was all she needed if not a rom-com, then definitely an episode of Gossip Girl. For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, never Gossip Girl. Gossip oh, that might Girl be would never... That's a little too, too old sexy. for Gossip Girl. Come that's on. true, actually. Um, um, I don't think... Uh, yeah, the, the lyrics that you cited in the bridge are okay, Heather, but there's also some pretty bad ones on here. Um, the hook, I think, is has really bad lyrics, and I don't think she wrote that. Uh, the, the hook is, I am extraordinary if you'd ever get to know me. I am extraordinary... I am just your ordinary, average, everyday, sane, psycho, super goddess. Which is like, basically, if you want my autobiography, baby, just ask Yeah, me. it, it, yes, <laughs> it is. But I, I actually thought that was something she could have written. But either way, it's like, it's the word cloud that the algorithm promoting her was trying to have her, like, you know, reconcile all of her competing required identities, which, you know. I feel like Meredith Brooks covered this better and I'm a bitch. <laughs> Oh, that song is a fucking classic. It's a classic. And she covers, it's the same thing, right? It's like, I am multiple things. Don't be, I, I refuse to give in to the binary or dualism of what a woman should be. I'm all these things at once. But it was done better in that song. Yeah. Also, what's the deal with, you may not believe in me, but I believe in you. So I still take the trash out. Does that make me too normal for you? I think it would be abnormal if she didn't take the trash out. Yeah. Just living in a trash house. Full of trash. <laughs> that would be not normal. I like it's that normal song. to take the trash out. I like the idea of that song. I'm just living in a trash house. Yeah. Covered in trash. I don't take my trash out. Does that excite you? <laughs> that's why. If you, if you flip the line, you're like, that, that's it. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love that. That's <laughs> that is absolutely perfect. All right. Should we move on to the next one here? Yes. Wow. Are you feeling feverish? You should get that checked out. (laughs) In the meantime, we're going to listen to uh, the Red Light Fever. Trying to figure out where you the raw sexuality oozing from this song the the red light fever uh, your heartbeat just you know pound in your chest with with this kind of up tempo you know vibrant songwriting i mean it's about a, a dude who isn't very good at making decisions it's just you know what it is it feels like so much 
it's just filler. It's it's already filler, and it's a second song. This I was thinking like- that actually. I was thinking, was this the time? Like, at what we're so in two thousands, we're entering the point where people no longer buy albums, right? Like two thousand three, yeah, it's starting to wind down, but not quite. I mean, people are still buying CDs, but not as many. Like there used to be an idea of like I was actually talking about this this morning, where I was mm-hmm. like, albums used to be kind of formulated to intentional intentionally like you were supposed to listen to the whole album together and so yes there would be songs that are slower or not as catchy or not as you know what I mean as exciting maybe but the purpose was not for each song to be like the climax if that makes right. sense it's, like it's the album is entirety exactly it's, it's telling a story there's you know there's the rising action there's climax like it, if you are creating a, a, a an album and not a collection of you know like throw this all at the wall and see what sticks singles then yeah yeah, then this would be a criminal decision and even if you're trying to make a a single this is a criminal decision this song fucking sucks i wanted to because this is is this um another matrix song mike dunn this is not Uh, no this song was co-written with um gary clark uh, who uh, did a lot of work with Natalie and Brulia. Okay, yeah. Um, and yeah. Nick Carter yeah. and Katie Lang and wow. uh, Emma Bunton. Hey. Uh, so, you know, that type of shit. That type of shit. Katie Lang and Nick Carter. <laughs> That's an interesting, interesting Listen. combo. But point, yeah, I mean, if you take Natalie and Brulia, I mean, that, that's a very similar lane, right? Isn't it? Yeah. But the thing is, is that Natalie Imbruglia has that kind of like, whisk, you know, that raspy little whisper to her voice or something. And the whole thing with this was like the big problem with this album. One of the big problems with this album is like Liz Fair in the early, uh, you know, recordings and, uh, you know, Exile in Guyville. She's got this like kind of deadpan delivery of like being like sort of emotionally detached. Her voice is lower, uh, yeah. you know, and so, but she's got, you know, she's got a great voice. She hits every note, but it's like, you know, these kind of um, that, that early nineties, like, uh, you know, ironic detached vocals and it kind of works. But when you flatten everything out and over process everything, the detachedness doesn't seem like a cool, you know, uh, you know, yeah. alternative rocker chick thing to, you know, yeah, you can't be, you can't, like, you can't have that attitude and then have the song just, like, these, like, compressed string swells come in and out throughout the song. Like, yeah. just have it be this, like, orchestral closing credits of a shitty movie uh, quality to it, you know? And and then the lyrics, like, this metaphor of, like, this guy is such a coward that he's, like, a person scared of the lights at a traffic light like what the fuck is that <laughs> what is that you're such a coward you're like scared of the, the light's gonna turn green and I was, red i would say liz fair has a commitment to metaphors like yeah. if she does a metaphor she'll do the whole fucking song as that metaphor you know what i mean like she won't let up it's not like oh here's a metaphor and now we're gonna continue on something else we're gonna like take this metaphor and go for three four minutes yeah hammer it right <laughs> into the ground yeah that's why the hook is scared the lights will turn green you have to be seen you'll be like anybody else scared the lights will turn red you're stuck in your head you can't commit to even her how are you going to get through the year it just sounds fake it sounds like it's written by an algorithm yeah and that's what's hard to know because i do feel like i am like i take a step back and i'm like you know 
she's a lyricist. She has demonstrated time and time again that she, you know, really cares about what she writes. Like that's like one of her strong suits. Like, so when I'm reading these lyrics and thinking this seems phoned in, like maybe to her it really didn't, but it's just how it's coming off. No, I think she knew. <laughs> yeah, I think she definitely knew. I give people a lot of credit. I'm like, you know. Don't. <laughs> I know. When, when have white women ever deserved your credit on this show? If you... I know, but I just have it. I was raised by whites in so many ways. So I like try to do that. I'm like, don't under- excuse us. <laughs> I'm trying to understand you. Why? Ugh, dude. You're very Come talented. What, but who, what? you know. Always going nowhere, afraid of going somewhere, and somewhere's a place in your heart. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. That's not come good. on. Those are no. not you're right. You're right. You're bad. My the friend. Singing, yeah. The singing is also because again with the singing, like it's also about personal preference, but I tend to be someone that I like people who when they sing, I really feel like they're singing. Yeah like deep from someplace, but that's also a stylistic choice, right? And there's plenty of artists I listen to who don't do that. But here it, because the song itself is so, and then the lyrics are like, and then her singing of it is also that. So there's nothing really taking me anywhere. Like this isn't like, when am I supposed to listen to this song? Like if I was actually having a conflict with a partner, would I listen to this song? (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, are you no. Are, are you saying that you're always going nowhere but afraid of going somewhere with this song? Because <laughs> I feel like I I I believe I have that crisis within me, but yeah. I don't think that this song is bringing it out in me or making me feel comforted. No, there's nothing there's nothing urgent or concerned about any of this either. There's none of that yeah. like that that energy like the exile in Guyville energy which is like I'm literally like surrounded by these fucking ignorant, like terrible men who I also am compelled to fuck. And I, and I really hate myself for it. And, you know, there's these, these dramas and these stakes and, you know, living in the shitty apartment or whatever, like all these things that, you know, even though it's still just like a small, like individual experience, those things feel, feel big and, and meaningful in those songs. And this is just like, there's, there's nothing, nothing's being said here. No. No, it's the it's a song about a, a guy who's like a, someone at a traffic light. Yep, yep. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Mm. Yeah, he's playing both sides of the net. Too many <laughs> people want too many things, and you only want to forget. Oh, and that's deep. Spicy. You're welcome. If yeah, if you're gonna write a song about a shitty guy, like give me juicy details. <laughs> give me the deep. <laughs> what is happening? Go listen to Exile and Guyville. Don't <laughs> plenty of details. Um, that I have personally related to. <laughs> Remember yeah. when I lived in a house of like 13 <laughs> and I was one of two women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Um, okay, so let's why don't we fucking move <laughs> the fuck on here? We're going to uh the this is okay, so this was the hit single. This is the hit. How much of a hit was this? This feels like it, it felt like a middle of the road hit. Like it wasn't like a big, it was the lead single. So it was uh, on... It reached number 32 on the Billboard Hot yeah. 100. Her right, highest so. charting single to date. And it was yeah. featured in the 13 Going on 30 soundtrack. Boom. There it is. There I, I'm sure I saw that movie at, at some point. Jennifer Garner. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, cover the tuba. Prime Mark Ruffalo. Yes. 
Ooh. Peak Mark Ruffalo. I'd ruffle a Ruffalo. (laughs) I would ruffle a Ruffalo. That was a good romantic casting on their part. Like all those, like, that was an alt girl casting right there. Mm -hmm. Even though she was 13. Going on third, she was in a grown woman's body. Yes. No. It was big. It was just big. (laughs) Don't ask too many questions. It was lady big. It was lady Lady. big. Uh, Speaking of lady big, this is (laughs) a big song here. This is uh, Why Can't I? And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very lukewarm top 100 charting there. Like that's, you know, it, and it, and yeah, it's not good. So here we go. This is uh, Why Can't I? Get a load of me, get a load of you Walking down the street and I hardly know you It's just like we were meant to be Holding hands with you when we're out at night Got a girlfriend, you say it isn't right And I've got someone waiting to No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Listen. So let it sweep over you. Well, this one is <laughs> let the rain fall down. <laughs> let the rain fall down. Let the hot white cum rain down. <laughs> so um um Adrian Begrand of Pop Matters called this song a note for note retread of complicated. And I had that in mind while re-listening to it there. And like it really it does. It's the it's exactly the same. It is. Wow. Except I... without the passion. <laughs> yeah. Or the complication. <laughs> like, and it's not cute to be 36 and, ugh, you know, and that's what she's doing on this song, dude. Well, like, it, it should on. be, com- it should be complicated. It should be more complicated than it is. Because if you dig into the lyrics, this is a song about her and another guy having an affair, both cheating on their partners with each other as, the, as their, you know, current relationships sort of fall apart. Wow. But the way she writes it, she's describing it like it's a fucking fairy tale. I thought it sounds like Liz Spence, none the richer. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hated it. I really hated this. This is such toothless bullshit, and it positions her as a helpless idiot that's about to perish pining over some dirt bag. And that's, you know, that's Fair. a thing that she was making fun of earlier. That was a thing that she was self-aware of in her earlier work. And to then just be like, Un, you know, just unashamed, like, yeah, yeah. You, like you said, fairy tale, you know, fantasizing about this, like, really grimy, like, sad, desperate, like, interaction. Yeah. What's funny as well, because I didn't catch this at first, because I knew this lyric was in there. I remember when I was young and I heard this lyric, I was like, what does that even mean? I remember being young and, like, when I would hear this song, because it was playing a lot on the radio to an extent, when it's like, we're already wet and we're gonna go swimming. I remember thinking like, that doesn't make any sense. And now I'm like, wait a second, Whoa. it's sexual. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's, it's a sexual reference. But again, it's like, she's forcing it. She's forcing the sexual references into this like bubblegum framework. And it's just jarring. She literally gives us a pity fucking. Like she puts the word fucking in this. She pity fucks us. She gives us one like, little glimpse of like the Liz that used to be in in the lead single in in a it, where it's gonna get beeped out anyway like I don't it's it's 
it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, all. part of me, this is again, remember, I'm all over the place here, but the fact that she's made such like a the song you'd hear in like a Kmart commercial. Yeah. But the like we haven't fucked yet, but my head's spinning and like we're already wet, but we're gonna go swimming. There's something about that that's like so twisted because it sounds so pleasant and it sounds so like I could like go on a family road trip and we're gonna listen to this new Liz Fair album. Ooh, we heard it on 13 going on 30. So great. But it has these like lyrics that are so, so different. And part of that to me is almost disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. brings it brings up disturbed emotions within right. me. Especially because like, you're thinking about it being marketed towards you as an 11 or 12 year old. Yeah. That's actually yeah. part of it. And you I try to you... think about it today too. Like would an artist today like, I think yeah. Liz Fair is one of many artists who, you know, did the work of really bringing more, ex- like, women being able to, like, more explicitly talk about sex. Mm-hmm. So that's totally there. And other artists are now, I almost think, like, explicitly talking about sex comes up a lot now in music that's more popular. Right. right. True. But it's explicit. It's not, uh, you know, like, I'm rubbing you down and with just some sunscreen like kind of you know like (laughs) just having a little fun like it's it you know it yeah it tries to be raw and raunchy but it's all entendre so it's it's you know and we do hear that in music today for sure but it it doesn't even go far enough i i I wish it would especially when 10 years ago she's like the blowjob queen you know and that's her whole thing you can look at those pre-chorus lines as like her um, trying to subvert the expectations of this kind of music, like, yeah, you know, cheekily. But I really think it's more likely that it was, you know, Capitol Records and The Matrix trying to shoehorn her established brand into their framework. Yeah. Um, and to me, I just, it just see, it comes off as awkward. Yeah. Very, very awkward is a kind way of putting it, I think. I wonder what her relationship with the Matrix was like. Cause part of me is like, did the Matrix really try? Oh yeah. Did we um Heather, have you guessed yet who wrote this song? Oh, I think, <laughs> yeah. Cause this is quite clearly big matrix energy on this one. Yeah, this is for sure the matrix. Big matrix energy. I think I have some guesses coming up too. I think that I well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's either really, really boring and bad or and like kind of bad or it's like really really bad and kind of boring so yeah why don't we move on to the next one here moving sure. right along to uh it's sweet it's sweet down on the lower east side in the dirtiest apartment you could find you there's a there's a bit of a a preamble that I would describe as like leftover from you know like when Ray of Light came out. Yes, I wrote that yes. too. Yep, it's correct. That kind of like mildly exotic Indian esque yep. beat. Yep, correct, correct. The Ray of Light spacey warbly guitar. Yep, and the weird like psychedelic drum crashes every once in a while. And then... yep, it's it's like bad. Oh it's fucking bad. White people should have, there should be some sort of like ban on sitars. Absolutely. There Absolutely. should be, a, for sure, at least a screening white system. We need to have a, a registry or something. Like a questionnaire of <laughs> like, why? need to why? hold a license. Or... 
what draws you to the sitar in this? What are you trying to evoke? Yeah, we need to be advocates for sensible uh, sitar regulation. Absolutely. Like, do you do kundalini yoga? Do you not? <laughs> Would you consider it? Um, this is the uh, first song I thought was okay. Bold. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Very bold. Uh, it sounds like it, it was written by a human being. Oh, okay. That's a good marker. In the early night, I catch you staring and you make a joke about it. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> what? That, yeah, like, I guess I, a person I actually, that. you know what? I do get it because like the lyrics are, are good or like what she's trying to, I get what she's trying to evoke. It's like when you're with someone and they're acting like and or presenting that they're really falling in love with you. Yeah, you know? but it's yeah. like so and, the But you know is, that it's like not real. The execution is so anemic and unenthusiastic. It's like blow up doll bad sex. It's it, it's like and and also just like the idea of like singing about like the dirtiest apartment on the Upper East Side, but you sound like one like you sound like bewitched. Like I don't <laughs> I can't take that seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so let's fucking move on from this one into uh, rock me. Oh baby, you're young, but that's okay. What's give or take nine years anyway? tell you you know what i didn't mind this one wow. <laughs> i really minded this one i minded I it too. quite a bit yeah it, you it... know what this was a good one in terms of it it hit the vibe of a hillary duff song way better but it's about what a Hillary Duff song. Man, it's about fucking a man like ten years younger or nine years younger than her. So then it's not as creepy. It's about uh, fucking a man who's twenty-seven, uh, and she describes him as if he's eighteen. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, this twenty-seven-year-old is like, you know, obviously. I mean, maybe when we're thirty-six, we'll think of twenty-seven-year-olds that way. But come on, baby, 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 if it's all right, want you to rock me all night. Well, I'm just wondering, latest- she, I don't want to throw subversive out there too much, but like, is it trying to be a little? This is, no, this is from the writer of Fuck and Run. <laughs> the end. <laughs> end of discussion. Like, this is supposed to be a well, rock star sex song. She fucked, like- she ran, and now she wants to be rocked all night by a baby. <laughs> 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 that sucks. That's not, well, you know. I will say this song uh, made me feel better about what my lifestyle was when I was 27, you know? <laughs> that's true if someone made a song if i was you know actually that's funny my boyfriend is actually nine years older than me but i would say that well actually that's true like i guess like if you wrote a song about me and like being like oh she's younger than me like it'd be like she has a pretty steady job 
does a good by her community. It wouldn't be as fun. So <laughs> you got to find a 27 year old like this. Is what I'm trying but to this say. is a 27 year old. You're not playing old. Xbox on your floor saying hi to your roommate. I play Xbox door. on a couch. Well, we kind of are right now, but this is a particular time, <laughs> moment in time. I was about to say, I'm playing a lot of Xbox, but I have a couch and I schedule it and, and an I don't excuse. go past an hour. <laughs> your record collection don't exist. You don't even know who Liz Fair is. I like what she's trying to explore here. I mean, she's trying to say like, you know, it must be weird. Like once you become a certain level of fame, particularly within like music and a particular kind of music, a lot of people might want to fuck you just because you're Liz Fair. So she's like, I actually like that I found this little like crust Xbox player who like (laughs) is just fucking me because I'm an attractive woman, not because I'm an attractive woman who notable for a certain kind of music. Right. Right. Isn't that what we all want? When she came out with, you know, the fucking run, you know, album. So yeah, your, your potential with no credentials, your mother taught you how to be a sensitive man. Girl, why do you have to be so desperate? Like you're Liz Fair, like get someone with credentials. There are 26 year olds with credentials. Like they, they do exist. But that's its own little power play, right? Like sometimes maybe you just want to fuck someone that you know you're better than. True. Like that's its own kind of flex. You know what it is? You know the anemic that's, that's quality? that's what fucking run is. That's what that song is. And it's so much better. True. You know what it is? The overall anemic quality of a lot of these songs, in a weird way, it seems like a person who's kind of just like. Give it up. Like, they're in that place in life where maybe they're just kind of like, you know what? Meh. That's not a great place to write an album from the meh (laughs) 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 or i guess you have to the meh like you can write about meh but it has to have a tinge of something else introspection right yeah yeah this is too hollow like it's just a hollow imitation of what people originally liked about her um and then they run everything through like six filters like just a lot of and rotary and tons and tons of compression it's like, I don't know. This to me sounds like the uncanny valley of music. Again, it doesn't, I don't get the sense this was written by a human being. It again sounds like it was written was, by was like a, a. Was this like, a Matrix song? Yes. Okay, I, I called it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. Especially the I wanna rock. Like that's when you know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's how you rock. <laughs> that's how you rock. You go, rock meh, meh, me meh, meh. <laughs> <laughs> i just try to imagine her singing this live and i'm like does she perform these songs with i just try to imagine like sitting in a crowd like yeah let's pull the most bit. recent liz fair set it's, list it's the face that white people make to people of color when they pass them on the sidewalk and they go it's a lower chin it's a chin tuck and i'm shit all right let's move on to the next song here which is called take a look like an Heather, I just found out something crazy about this album. What? Wendy O played uh, bass on this album. 
Wendy O? Wendy from Wendy and Lisa. What? Yeah. You know, it doesn't completely surprise me. That doesn't completely surprise me at all. That makes kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I can picture a queer lady playing guitar on this album. <laughs> for sure. That's what, being I, like- is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but I, this song is so fucking boring. So this one didn't get matrixified. It just got fucking overprocessed, I imagine, right? It's just, just an, a boring Liz Fair song. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, yeah. Wendy, Wendy played guitar on the song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got that, it's got that Etheridge energy. <laughs> Don't just mean like <laughs> queer lady, but also just like mid tempo, like, yeah. you know, guitar. Yeah. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. This is another one where she takes a single uh, metaphor mm. uh, and just like, ride it all like, the way uh what do you call it uh drives it into the ground yes just, you yeah. know the the idea is that uh her ex is checking in on her current love life like a rubber necker looking at a car crash on the highway <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's just every single line that's the one idea that's yeah. all you get yeah right i'm some kind of freak now and you'll never see me the same what's all the fuss about are you sure you want to find out because once you know the truth you might wish you walked away maybe that's kind of what happened maybe it's a maybe that's a metaphor for her career <laughs> mm. you know like i don't know i thought I mean, perhaps there's i mean i will say you know, in, a, in, a, in a weird kind of foreshadowing it's almost like people thought that this album was in fact like a car crash or like some sort of like you know train wreck right but in essence it made people want to talk about it more like people like enjoyed trashing it like they enjoyed hating on it so like in a weird sense she foreshadowed yeah she she was was kind of the whipping boy for all like the indie guys like uh frustrations with selling out and jocks (laughs) yeah and man and and pretty women women playing guitar yeah and the man (laughs) existing I mean, also like, you know, I'm some kind of freak now. You'll never see me the same. But once you know the truth, you might wish you'd walked away. And maybe the truth is that she was boring all along. <laughs> and she just wants to. Well, you know, actually, you know, that's interesting. That's actually very interesting. It's one of those things that in writing where it's like show, don't tell. Like, why are yeah. you so like you're describing yourself like repeatedly as being like hard to handle or different or but what what is what is actually happening what are you doing or how are you thinking that actually it's it's there's a lot of telling like I'm telling you I'm that woman that is unclassifiable I'm telling you I'm that uncontrollable woman this you know that is so true but there's no details as to what actually qualifies her in that way besides the fact that she likes to give blowjobs and be covered in hot white cum which (laughs) you know right like yeah and that's the thing it just sounds like bear this song especially sounds like barely horny early aughts like pop country it's her just saying want to take a look take a look over and over again you know that's an interesting point because the other thing is that the reason why this album becomes so compared to guyville like part of it is like people not letting go of what they thought of someone and not letting an artist grow or be different, right? Like there used to be a time where you would expect the artist you listen to 
to try different types of music and you were supposed to kind of stay loyal. Like they're an artist, they're a person, they're going to change, they're going to take chances. You may not always agree with it. You may not always like it, but you should, right. if you're a real like when fan. when the Backstreet Boys came out with Larger Than Life, like we had to pretend that it was just as good. Yes, because you it, want them to keep going and you want to respect that they're trying new things, whatever. But what's hard about this is that because she's almost referencing this persona, you then can't help but compare it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's too obvious. It's too I think present. It, it also gets compared to Guyville because I don't think anyone listened to fucking White Chocolate Space Egg. No. <laughs> I think yeah. White Chocolate Space Egg is how we got into this whole mess. Because it was her doubling, trying to double down on like, I'm going to make a popular album. Yeah. 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 yeah this down. song sucks. This song is a nothing song. Let's move on to Little Digger, which is a song to her son. So she has one son. She had one son with, I think this guy was like a filmmaker and they got divorced like right before this album or like a year or two before this album came out. Mm -hmm. So um, this song is to her son. You put your trucks up on the bed next to him So he can get a better look at them You say this one's my favorite one This one you can't have I got it from my dad You say I got it from my dad Um, <clears throat> What are the better entries? I'm gonna put it yes. out there very yeah. much so. My favorite on the album. Unfortunately, the overprocessing really fucking sucks the life out of it still. Yeah. But the lyrics are really powerful. They're yes. very poignant. You know, I that's why I kept playing that because I'll cut the clip later. But like there's, you know, some really powerful storytelling and imagery there with the, you know, young son who, you know, she's dating again, dating somebody new, and he's trying to, you know, suss out this new man and, you know, his mother's life and trying mm -hmm. to make sense of all of that as a young child. I mean, I even think the implication is that her young son has walked in on her fucking a guy who's not her dad. I don't know about that part, but I didn't, I, maybe. I, I think it is because, like, did, uh, you saw your mother with another guy. Yeah. So the implication there is yeah. that maybe, and then it's like the bed. So it's like, he definitely has walked in on her in bed with another man, whether they were actively fucking or not. Like, yeah. it's a very intimate thing to see. And like, if your parents are divorced and you're young, you particularly don't understand what that means. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, there's lyrics like later on in the song i've done the damage the damage is done i pray to god that i'm the damaged one and all these grown-up complications that you don't understand i hope you can someday like that is a oh that that like that's a beautiful it's a beautiful touching heartbreaking sentiment of like you know and it's very deep yeah. which is why it's so implacable on this album and in the why this album is so confusing because you have these like little jewels and these like very like heart-rendering moments that are you know so like insightful and and touching mm -hmm. very few and far between this is the first i guess this is really the big one on the on the album and it just it's it's so unfortunate that it's cushioned by all this fucking filler. Um, 
and the song it's it's still too smoothed out you know it's like a it's like a textureless rendering of a 3d object yeah yeah i also just a little made a little bit uncomfortable by her writing like a penis uh double entendre about really? her son where oh little uh, digger you're, you're thinking little thoughts about it taking every inch of him in no i don't i don't think so honey. i think it, I, I think she's no i think it's like yeah no. he's like taking in like no. that there's this new man in her life but also like he walked in on her taking every inch no, of him no in. no 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 i'm not i'm not co-signing on that interpretation on i don't this. know I don't man I, it kind I of seems so. it seems like a liz fair move yeah uh, yep. except i don't know everything i've learned about her approach to that song which i did look into this song because okay. it was my favorite on the album like it does not imply that but you know I I thought this was a great song except for the textualness of it. Yeah, the textualness. Yeah. Lyrically, definitely the best song in the album and the only real return to form yeah. on the album, but musically still a little boring. soft and boring and yeah. toothless. Yeah. I know. God, why does can, can you give her some teeth? It's cuz she's a blowjob queen. She took all of her teeth. Out. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, Lord. I'm sorry. How dare right. you? Let's move on here to Firewalker. Oh, Lord. Yeah, Firewalker with me. Firewalker with me. It should be illegal to write a song with the title Firewalker and have it sound like that. I just, I, <laughs> it's not so stupid. I uh, I liked this song. This is probably my favorite. Um, this is the only one that sounds like it could have been on Guyville. Uh, it's got the cool chord changes, which I've really been missing. Yeah. It's got a great melody, a great vocal melody in the verses. Yeah, the, I actually enjoy the vocal melody in this one. This one, I, this one was also a, a, a top one for me. It, I, I I mean I wrote about you know I liked the minor chords the psychedelic drum crashes and the weird like you know that that wah wah filter that's on everything yeah. you know but then you have this still this all encompassing like flatness of the chorus vocals and in the tender drum taps and the cowbell and it's so mid tempo it feels like it was just intentionally slowed down like past the point of potency I, I don't know. It's just too long and too slow and it doesn't hit where I really want it to, but I can see why you liked parts of it. I just think it's it's still very boring. It just sounds like an indie rock song. Like it sounds like her lane. Sound she sounds comfortable in it. Um and like it is another one where it's just like the same metaphor like belabored for the entire song, but yeah. like I dig the metaphor. She's a wild flame, but he's a firewalker, you know, he can handle the volatility. Um 
she needs a firewalker in her life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't we all? <sighs> or am I the firewalker? I think I'm the firewalker. <laughs> I think I'm the firewalker in <laughs> Or no, wait, no, I'm the no, I'm the I'm the I'm the flame, right? I don't know. I don't I, fucking know. Mm. These metaphors are clumsy. I think we're both flames. We're just feeding feeding the fire. Yes. In my relationship. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Alex is probably the firewalker. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I was about to say, I nominate <laughs> Alex for firewalker. Uh, flame retardant. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's fucking go on to the next one here. Uh, this next track is called Favorite. Um, oh, and obviously Firewalker and Little Digger, those were not Matrix songs. Those were Liz Fair originals, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. Okay. You yeah. got it. Great. Doing doing okay so far. All right. So here we go with favorite. Hey, why I never threw it out. I'll never know exactly why. Keep it in the drawer beside my bed. It's faded pink now, but it used to be red. Starting to fray at the seams, but I know that you still love me like you did. not feel right i will say right now a sharp downward turn from those comparatively glowing reviews we gave on the last few songs this is fucking trash it is bad it's hard it's the worst one it's the worst one i hate this fucking formula so much throw this formula into the fire and then to have the lyrics be all about that this man is so comforting. He's like an old pair of underwear. What? Yo, bitch, you're rich. Go get new underwear. <laughs> Go get new. Anything can be your favorite underwear. I will say, it's she said, like- it was a, she set up a Herculean task before her. The word underwear is a terrible word. Terrible word? <laughs> it's a terrible word. And then to use it repeatedly, like, it's one of those words that makes everyone uncomfortable. It just so doesn't correct. sound good. So, like, she gave herself quite the challenge and there's no good word for underwear panties is also questionable like underwear panties briefs i hate it i hate it i hate it it's also adult contemporary ashley simpson yes i feel like if ashley simpson sang it it might have been a hit yeah no it would have been on fucking autobiography it would have been on that fucking album that we already reviewed for this but i feel like you know at like younger ladies would be like oh my god that's so funny underwear it's Uh, wild it's wild that 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 ashley simpson album had so much more energy than this liz fair album i don't know about so much more but it's listen i don't know what perks they had ashley on but like she could you know (laughs) get the energy up this is you can also you can hear the auto-tune and like feel the desperation like it's so clearly like okay this is me writing a pop song let me like talk about underwear because that's like racy and dangerous yeah again the metaphor is just being like but it's not even dangerous underwear it's not a thong it's about like i'm slipping you on again tonight oh my god dude that shit well i mean that line sucks i'm slipping you on again tonight what 
Yeah, throw that fucking simile in the fire too. Get out of here. <laughs> this is another one where it feels like they're trying to shoehorn her brand into this framework or and it just does with disastrous results. I'm again like someone listening to this, do they feel like, you know what, this person in my life who I really like love, they're like my favorite underwear man. <laughs> Yeah, right. I yeah. can just listen to this. I'm going to dedicate the song. Could you imagine like sending this song to someone and being like, when I heard this song, I thought of you. Yeah, again, this is not relatable to humans. <laughs> no, my favorite underwear is clean underwear. Like, I'm not like buying h- horrible underwear. Like, it's just fine. It's there to serve a purpose. Do I have favorite underwear? I don't, you know, I'm actually... I I, you know, I just tend to be, you know, this might be a controversial statement, but like, if I'm like truly comfortable, I'm not wearing pants. Same, right. I'm wearing a jumpsuit. Am I wearing underwear? Fuck no. I am in the comfort of my own climate-controlled home. If I'm calling you my underwear, then I'm saying, like, I'm actually not at my most comfort level. Right. Exactly. Like, it's more like, I'm in my shitty bathrobe. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in a giant t-shirt on my knees with a top bun. How comfortable I am. I think uh, the Gap makes pretty good underwear. Okay. I think that's probably my favorite pair is the one from the Gap. Maybe I need to do better underwear shopping. I feel like maybe I haven't invested in it. Because also, like, my favorite underwear really is actually zero. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm like, my favorite underwear is no underwear. So, like. I'm I'm not the target demographic here. And is it actually that sexier? Like, isn't that, you know, the cool, dangerous thing to do, right? I don't know. That's why I'm like, I just feel like as a, I just feel like as a woman, you come to understand, like, or anyone with a vagina, really, like, underwear is not that sexy there's a lot of secretions yeah just let it loose <laughs> yeah let, it loose. let her live which i guess some people are into i just don't know if it'd be the metaphor i'd go for but you know all different <laughs> kinds <laughs> so this is a song written for the, the japanese perverts who buy these machines yes you know, uh, okay. everyone everyone deserves a champion you know? sure <laughs> yeah everyone needs their own anthem exactly Every superhero wow. needs theme music. Wow, guys. All right. Let's. Uh, there's like eight guitars on this track. I just want to get that out there, too. There's like literally eight guitars. Damn. Yeah. It's so just brick walled to shit. Just way too much going on. Heather, you know who wrote this song? Who? At the uh, Matrix. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, come, come on. I was like, oh, did somebody other than the Matrix write it? <laughs> the no. way you set it up made it seem like it was going to be a surprise. Yes, it obviously was the Matrix. Yes, correct. I just imagine <laughs> the Matrix sitting with Liz Fair and her producing these lyrics and then being like, you know what? We're just going to pretend we don't even hear what you're saying and we're just going to like smooth it out. You know what I mean? Like, I almost smooth like it the- out with eight guitars. <laughs> I feel like the Matrix almost didn't even give a shit what the lyrics were. No, I bet the Matrix wrote these lyrics. I bet they're like, I think they wrote Liz, them? Liz, we got this song that's going to be so you. It's going to be- And the people, are, your fans are going to love it. They're going to love it. This is going to be just like Guyville. It's a song about how a guy is like underwear. Get it? Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Mind blown. Mind Agreed. blown. Galaxy brain. Um, well, shall we move the fuck on yeah. to- Love hate. Actually, if you're looking for a new favorite pair of underwear. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, tell um, me more. 
I'd love to tell you more, VQ, uh, even though we have already established that we are not in the underwear market <laughs> and that the sexiest thing I can wear is, is nothing in my home. But uh, we want to, for those of you underwear lovers, underwear havers, underwear aficionados, you know, you want to spice up your love life. You want to get a little dangerous. You want to channel Liz Fair. Definitely not on this album, but perhaps 10 years earlier. Uh, well, why don't you just go head on over to our partner site, adamandeve.com. It's, uh, you can get so much free stuff. Let me tell you what, okay? Free stuff you think it's awesome. Like this podcast, for example, you're getting this podcast for free. You're welcome. You're getting us yelling about Liz Fair and her underwear for free. Um, and so it, it's actually your duty and your obligation to go to adamandeve.com and get some free stuff to spice up your bedroom. You can select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads on. Let me tell you, they load it. And oh, they load it. Right. means code <laughs> means come. Ah! They're coming all over you. Their white hot come is all over you with free stuff. So you can enter the offer code bad music at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. It's unbelievable. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies plus free shipping. This uh, ad copy is as desperate as Les Fair, and so are we. So please go to adamandeve.com and buy some goddamn dildos. It's the end of the world. What else do you have to spend your money on? And uh, maybe we'll get some residuals, some, some, some precious doubloons from your horniness. So thank you. Stoppies, uh, go to adamandeve.com and use the keyword bad music. All caps. Not often, you know, not often does bad music lead to good sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's, well, actually, I take that back. Make it come. That's the, the that's the byline. That's the tagline for our new spinoff show. Make Whoa. Bad music, good sex. I what mean, is actually, what is bad music to have good sex to? I mean, some people would probably put in like 80s hair metal. Like someone's having Ooh. sex to, I don't know, fucking Molly Crew. It's not me, but someone is. Yeah. When I lost my virginity, the person I was sleeping with was playing Sublime and Jack Johnson, but it wasn't good sex. So I, I don't know. Yeah. You get yeah. what you get what you get in that scenario. Yeah. Was it banana pancakes? What's banana pancakes? That's a Jack Johnson song. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to know. <laughs> or what about what about I don't uh, want to know. Banana, make you banana pancakes or like you're bubbly, sitting there, bubbly you're toes, sitting there, having mediocre sex, just like shazamming. <laughs> like, I need to remember this forever. Oh, fuck, it's banana pancakes. <laughs> it immediately goes soft. Well, I'm sure I had sex to Santorini at one point. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about it. All right, let's move on to love hate, um, which is our relationship to Liz Fair and probably ourselves for doing this. So let's go ahead and have a listen. I grew up thinking what's good for one oppresses the other. It's my turn, my life, my way, my
nope, 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 nope. You think nope? Nope. This is like, uh, isn't a song about like uh, the damaging effects of capitalism and the helplessness and emptiness you feel when you know you're complicit in oppression and trapped in that system? I think it's it's trying to be, but it's not doing it so well. Right, exactly. VQ, yes. Uh, Mike Dunn, sure. Sure. <laughs> it's a world, it's a war with the boys and girls. It's a war and nothing's gonna change. So it's it's very, first of all, it's very much abdicating any sort of responsibility at the end of that, which is very white women, white womening. And then you have, it's drugs, it's hunger, it's race, sex, and government. Any way you look at it, you're part of it. You know it. The wrong inside you can't get it right you might as well get on the train. So like, okay, you can't like figure out how to like analyze like, or like racism or- I think uh, disillusionment and apathy are common emotions for many of us, but I think we don't want our songs to instill similar feelings. Well, and without any sort of like uh, critique of it or commentary, and then it turns into at the end, you offer the usher your ticket, you open your soda, see what guy you're sitting behind, you get excited, the lights go down, you get on the plane. And okay, maybe that's some meta commentary about going like, you know, using media as escapism to like, you know, avoid reckoning with these issues. But again, that's such a white woman, white womaning thing to be like, well, like, you know, things are hard and tough and difficult and overwhelming and the system's set up to fuck us over, so whatever (laughs) yeah it's just hard to know like what i'm supposed to get from this like i'm just confused again it's like imagining like who's listening to the song and being like yeah this song like really understands like my like quandary or like the my issue i'm dealing with where i feel like so much is fucked up in the world and but i feel so tired because what's the point like it's it it's saying what is like, a, it's almost just like saying like, it's like no shit, like that is true. Mm-hmm. But like the song you've made about it contributes so nothing what? to that conversation. It's, like, it, it's, yeah. And I think dressing up those lyrics in this song that sounds like, it's like, it's a, it's, it's, it doesn't convey the message. Like how affected are you by these things? If you can create a song that is so detached from listing race yeah. sex yeah. the government what that's not a- i mean that's how it feels to you if you're just watching it feeling kind of bad and continuing about your day yeah it does feel that way if you're of a particular identity but what it reminds me of that fucking lady gaga lyric what is it like you're something that you haven't sent your so no no your orient oh my god yes <laughs> everyone's like oh my god i love this song because it's about everyone's different but it's okay it's a- it's about how she wishes that she was a white, you know, gay male drag queen. That's what the song is. And also, like, it's about everyone being accepted, except I'm going to use the word orient because it sounds good in this line and get over it. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> that is the laziest white woman, white womaning shit. It's shit that I hated it. I care I, about yeah. your rights if it rhymes. If it doesn't rhyme, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also trying to uh, <laughs> unpack the opening lines of the song. Um, she I was says, I was, I was a mess in my open-eyed youth. I grew up thinking what's good for one oppresses the other. It's my turn, my life, my way, mind me. It's really fucked up. Hey. Basically, it's making this dualistic sense of like, like say racism, for example. If you're someone who's against racism, somehow you're just the other side of the coin. It's like, yeah, racists are bad, but then like anti-racists are also mean. 
uh, yeah well so loud right and like also like yeah what's good for you does oppress the other like that's actually like rudimentary like white privilege 101 it's like reckoning with that and recognizing that like whether you ask for it or not like you inherit these privileges by being a white person in america and you you benefit from white privilege so those things are correct like the things she's saying i grew up thinking these things well that's true like so your responsibility as a white woman is to do better right is to yeah. like figure out yeah. ways to leverage your power and your position to try to like disrupt white supremacy however you can not be like oh whatever i, don't know. I guess the song <laughs> also in this present time is just particularly like the apathy from gen x in general particularly white middle class people is just kind of yes. like disturbing it's yes. not yeah. like revolutionary think, or it's, it's not counterculture. It's not brave to say you're just like, this is hard out from I what's happening. Up. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think, uh, you know, not to be all Hester Prynne about this, but if you <laughs> place this in the context of 2003, um, she's at least doing a better job than like Madonna did with American Life. Or with, or than Hesta Prynne. I feel you. Yeah. I she didn't that. say. Although this is kind of a don't blame me because I voted for Gore. <laughs> think about it. Um, oh I get what you guys God. are saying though. You're basically saying like this is a good place, a good starting place, but she doesn't say go that, anywhere. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it's actually that's like the big critique of all these other like these moments and these lyrics where she says. I'm alternative. I'm this, I'm that. It's the showing, not telling, right? Or the yeah. telling, not showing. It's yeah. There's no actual display of, of any reckoning with these issues. It's just you're listing them off. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. So, okay, let's move on to the next one. This is called, oh my God. And here we are, folks. Here we are. The big moment. We've been uh, referencing it the whole the whole episode. So here we go. This song is called HWC. And if you've been paying attention, you know what that stands for. This is the same energy as like a white woman doing like a, an NWA acoustic guitar cover on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's very good a comparison. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or a ukulele cover, actually. It's it's it's, it's gone. It's it's that far gone. This shit is terrible. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I mean, one of these days, without you, I'm just another Dorian Gray. It's the fountain of youth. It's the meaning of life so hot so sweet so wet my appetite i guess i guess her partner is eating a lot of pineapple or something yeah right like also you know i just wonder whether i just want to know what the conversation was when she played this song for the label like what i would die to be in that room when like these execs and others are just listening to this like 
what? <laughs> Maybe this was the exact moment when they decided to bring in the Matrix. They were like, yeah, we need the big guns. <laughs> <laughs> but then they gave it to her as like a pity track and threw it at the end of the album. I mean, it's so fucking jarring and so strange she and talks about using it as an exfoliant she does yeah well i i think also she's referring to like having good sex being good for your skin which i, I you know i think in general yeah that's true if you're having a lot of good sex you're, you're yeah i've glowing. heard that there are certain properties within semen that are good for you i don't know about having like a doing a little semen mask or anything like that I which mean, is what she's implying she's doing like the fucking like um, a facial yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> is that the term? <laughs> what was the fucking movie with Cameron Diaz in it with the fucking sperm? Something oh, about something Mary. about Mary. Yeah, she's right. Yes, it's that. It's it's very that. It's very versatile. Hair gel, exfoliant. I know there's a, co- a cum cookbook out there. Help me, Lord. Um, and you can get it for 50% off. As <laughs> <laughs> that say. <laughs> You know, bad music at checkout. It probably like if you cook it, it's probably like eggs, we right? Just, help, we help, just help. For specifically cum related advertising opportunities to help our podcast grow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I actually looked it up and she did, like, the record company did try to convince her to switch it to like hot white love. Oh, hot white love, isn't Well, then that, that just sounds racist. Yeah. <laughs> she had to specify that so it was So she dumb. really wanted it on because she really, you know, so I will say she really felt like this song was like a fuck you to masculinity because that's what she was thinking is like, these record execs won't let this on because it's like women aren't allowed to like, you know what I mean? Bring up this sexual act, even though other men kind of reference it in weird ways in rock music. Yeah, right. So, but she's kind of being cheeky about it. She's yeah. Like, and she's being really explicit about it because it's like, what the hell? Like men in rock music have pretty much talked about coming all the time. I really, I do think, I will say this about hot white cum. Um, this <laughs> Wait, is it been... hot white cum or white hot cum? White hot cum, I'm sorry, excuse no, me. No, it's hot white cum. Hot white cum. Hot yes. white cum, okay. Yes, HWC. Um, this should have been the closer. They should have just ended the album here. Yeah. Uh, the next three songs are all incredibly boring. Yep. Um, and like, I feel like the next three songs are like the strongest case for why they needed to bring the Matrix in. Yeah. Um, I think this song would have had more power to it uh, if it was like, this is like the cheeky like, or like closer. A, or a hidden track would have been funny, like really yeah. clever, like yeah. to have this be like, because that was like, again, when people were curating albums as we were talking about earlier mm. there was like intentionality around skits and and hidden tracks and i could imagine that happening in 2003 with this like oh surprise and that being like a really funny kind of addendum right but no she ruins all of that um and you're right about these next three songs they fucking all suck and they're all really boring should we just like bang them out all at once yeah bang them out yeah all right let's hot do it. white come them out <laughs> So we've got My Bionic Eyes, Friend of Mine, and Good Love Never Dies. If there's anybody out there, baby, I'm not gonna miss them. I've watched the years go by. These are the same old guys I never had any use for. Beyond the feeling of pleasure.
lyrics are pretty telling on that song right there the good love never dies which those three songs i don't have a lot of notes about them because as you mentioned they're very fucking boring um but with good love never dies she just has these lyrics um for the rest of my days i want you by my side tell me what i what can i say to keep you in my life because i can never relax i've got to keep it exciting make it attractive keep it alive keep you coming back I'm always so frightened you'll see through my act. So I, I was thinking about those lyrics and, and like the context of like navigating a divorce, right? And a relationship. And also with like her relationship with like the media and the public, you know? Um, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's telling. It's, it's an insight into her thought process of this anxiety of like trying to seem relevant and trying to, you know, be seen at all and be attractive and be interesting and, and capture people's imaginations, but she's still like, she's performing and she knows that people are going to see through it. And like that, ah, man, it's, it's tough because that shit, if she wrote an album really from that perspective and made music from that perspective, I guess that would be exile in Guyville, but it could have been exile, you know, in Momville or whatever. Like she could have told stories uh, that were relevant to her experience um, in an authentic way that could also still be rock songs. But this, I mean, it's just, you've lost all, you know, goodwill at this point in the album because it's so fucking tepid and lukewarm and boring and flat and just. Yeah. It's weird how the album ugh, ends so tepidly. It just ends with like a sort of, right. Like you're just so tired. Like it just feels like I'm tired. You're tired. We're all tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. no no passion it's just completely dispassionate right um bionic eyes i guess you get a little bit of that's true that she tries to add some zest there's a little zest in bionic eyes the song has a little more pep to it and the lyrics are pretty classic fair um you know i watched the years go by these are the same old guys i never had any use for beyond the feeling of pleasure or the thrill of the fight I scored again last night. I said, thanks for the drinks. Nice party. Then I turned out the light. Um, you know, it's yeah. just another song about how dudes are boring, but, you know, I'm still going to fuck them. Yeah, and I <laughs> guess, like, I mean, I try to think of, like, how many, like, male singer-songwriters kind of talk about the same things over and over again. So I try to be, like, okay. Like, a lot of singer-songwriters write about the same thing over and over again because as a person, you typically struggle with the same issues, like, that's just like one of the hard things about life is you often will find yourself dealing with the same bullshit for years and years. Right. But again, yeah. it just seems like, again, it's like, okay, Oh, I'm having sex, but like, I'm so bored like of this sex and of these men. And it's like, Oh, okay, and I'm bored cool. and I'm bored of myself having sex with these men. And yeah. that could have been an interesting point to kind of 
consider and start from a way more vulnerable point to start from, you know, as opposed to just narrating it kind of dispassionately. Like, you know, as I got light as a feather, they got stiff as a board. I can't feel anymore, but I can fake it forever. That shit, that's some like powerful shit in my bionic eyes. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's listed off with no critique and no self-critique, no analysis and no responsibility for any of those things. There's not a lot of scenes. And no growth. Yeah. There's no growth. And the fact is, is that that song could have been, you know, the, at least lyrically could have been a song off of Exile and Guyville, which, you you know, and you're right to, to like, think about this and, and be critical about like, you know, being harsher on, you know, female singer songwriters, but you do want to see some amount of growth in 10 years, right? From an artist that's known for their vulnerability and their rawness and this, you know, and their confessional style of, 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 uh, you know, songwriting. So it, it sucks, man. It sucks. Cause it has, it does have potential just like her 26 year old baby, you know, boyfriend, uh, it has potential, but you know, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I feel like you see that potential seen all the way through in a uh, little digger. Yeah. Um, and like nowhere else on the album, everything else is either like just faceless pop by the matrix or faceless pop by the matrix where they tried to shoehorn in uh, her, uh, you know, previous raunchiness to like very poor effect or like songs where she's sort of like, treading like lightly treading over you know the the type of stuff she feels comfortable writing but that she already over just extremely boring composition the composition is boring so that's really it like the lyrics maybe was better you know it's but the problem is is that even the lyrics are super watered down they're watered down versions of what she already said like way more incisively a decade ago and, and yeah, that's why I brought up Little Digger because like that's a new topic, you right. know, of, of dealing with, you know, how do you how do you be out in the dating scene with a, a child, right? You know, who, uh, you know, just wants his dad back. But the Matrix I mean, isn't gonna go write those songs for you, so like, yeah. no. But she wrote these last three songs herself, and yeah. they're still bad, and they're still they're just very boring. They're boring. Yeah. That's why it's like they're not enough for me to like give a zero <laughs> out of ten. Um, well, actually, that's that brings us to it. We're at that point in the show that uh, we should rate the album on a scale of zero to negative five because on the show we yes, uh, it's going back bad music. So it's we're yeah, we're zero to negative five of some quantifier. And VQ, you're an old pal on the show. You've been around the block yes. with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to choose the the quantifier that we're measuring uh, her badness Ooh. by. So, and if you want to, you get to go first. I'm just trying to think of what the quantifier is. There's been so many mm-hmm. good ones. Um, I'm trying, <laughs> I don't want to say this. Uh, cum shots. <laughs> Zero to negative five cum shots. Yes, a negative five. Like and think shots. about that, like negative five cum shots. <laughs> I don't even know. Negative five, the cum getting sucked back into Yes, that's dick. what I'm thinking. Thank you. Sounds painful. It does sound painful. So really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> or I was almost thinking of it. This is like super gross, but I was also thinking of it as like if you're taking actual cum shots, if it's negative five, it's that you're rejecting them. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Negative five are coming out of you. Shots. The runny egg white. Like. Yes. Really think about this. Yeah. What do you? What if? 
start rating it as. I'm going to give it a negative two. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Why negative two? I feel like I don't want to listen to it ever again. Um, I don't want to listen to these songs. But at the same time, if it was on, I would not be so offended for the most part. Like, I think this could be on in the background and I'd be like, this is pleasant. I wouldn't be like upset or angry or like, why is this happening to me? But I still, I was going to do negative one, but then I felt like negative one is more like if I could think of like one or two songs I would listen to again and again, but there's no song on here that I actually would repeatedly listen to. So that's why I got negative two. Yeah. I think you are very kind. I think you're providing more white excuses for this white or white excuses for this white woman than she did for herself. Well, that's because I, I come, uh, you know me, I have like a psych <laughs> developmental background. So like, I'm, I'm very forgiving. <laughs> I want to give people enough room to challenge, but you know, but I want them to feel they can grow. Well, I'm a fucking asshole. I think this shit sucks. And I don't think she grew at all. I think she shrank. You go. Unfortunately. You go. I'm going to give her a negative 3.5 cum shots on this album because I think you're right. Like what it actually, what did I give Ashley Simpson? Mike Dunn, you're, you're good at remembering these things. Uh, I don't, um, I'm on Liv's computer, so I don't have access to my file of all the scores and stuff. It's, 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 I want to, I want to rate it worse than Ashley Simpson, to be honest, because I think you, I think you gave Ashley Simpson a more, I think you gave her like a negative three or negative two and a half. Okay. So I'm giving, I'm giving Liz Fair a negative three and a half because I think that she, uh, because it is an Ashley Simpson album written by somebody who, uh, was a, uh, early feminist rock goddess, uh, you know, badass who, uh, is capable and is talented and has a capacity to put out uh, really insightful, poignant, vulnerable, uh, interesting uh, feminist rock music that um, that is that was groundbreaking for its time, um, but instead uh, took the everything that made uh, her interesting and cool uh, to begin with and turned it into an embarrassing facsimile of itself, yeah. and to a point where she literally looks and feels like she's performing a cover of, you know, a cover act of, um, of herself, but at 36, uh, as a recently divorced mom, and it's just a really sad, unfortunately desperate, um, sheen that, that, that the film that kind of coats all of this and, and leaves a bad taste in my mouth, honestly, just like, um, <laughs> you just swallow it and get it over with. And I don't think I'm going to be going back to this album ever again. So um, there you go. Yeah, it's just so it's just a failure on so many levels. This album, like, you know, she went into the studio um, with uh, Pete, not whatever, with Michael, whoever, whatever the fuck. She went into the, the studio with the guy who did all those John Bryan collaboration soundtracks for fucking Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And she was like trying to make a Liz Fair album. And it was so bad and dispassionate and boring and lifeless that the, you know, the label was like, we literally cannot sell this. We need to give you help. They brought in help. And then the, the help, you know, the, the song doctors just wrote, just shoehorned her into a fucking Ashley Simpson framework. 
which she failed to deliver on. It's not her lane. It's not her style. It didn't work at all. Her own songs didn't work at all. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand, like, the only reason I'm hesitating to give this, like, a really bad score is because, like, I don't want to be grouped in with all the, like, angry fucking indie dude reviewers yeah. from the early that, 2000s. That is good. Um, who would dislike this album for the wrong reasons. But I think if you really, like, just analyze it, like, what else can you do? This is a terrible album. It's, it fails in every way. There's, I'd rather, I honestly, I'm sorry to say this, you know, I'm thinking back on the previous albums we've listened to and the scores I gave them, and I'd rather listen to Trapped. And I gave that a negative 3.7. We were too nice to Trapped. I want to issue a retraption because I feel like on that episode, I was not mean enough to Trapped and I hate Trapped and I want everyone to know that Headstrong is a terrible song, but also they kind of sound like Thrice and Thursday and it's really fucking weird and kind of the Mars Volta sometimes. And yeah. it, we don't know how to explain it. And I'm sorry, I didn't make the rules, but- We're also, also in COVID, I, COVID effects. It, it, we're all fucked up, right? Yeah. We're all fucked up. But what do you think? I think you were pretty mean to trap. Okay, I mean, good. I listened to it. You get you were pretty mean to trap. I maybe I was too nice to trap, okay. but I'd still rather listen to trapped than this Liz Fair album. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a negative four. Ooh, okay. wow. Come shots. Come sucks. <laughs> Come tractions. <laughs> well, everybody, that's something that you can now think about and uh <laughs> i want to thank our unbelievably incredible amazing guest vq for being on the show thanks for having me this my little diggers vq <laughs> <laughs> um why don't you promote anything we got going on you can promote blow we can promote you know tell everybody about shitty wizard any Thing else we should know oh yeah so i guess um blow is going to be coming out boston league of wicked wrestlers pretty easy to find particularly if you're following make it stop and following heather in any capacity but boston league of wicked wrestlers is going to be coming up with a lot of internet content since <laughs> seems like there's not gonna be any live performances for the rest of 2020 so please look out for really fun queer feminist wrestling performances done in very creative ways um because of COVID, looking out for more comics and bits and songs and all sorts of stuff that's going to come out. So look for that. And then feel free if you go on Facebook to look up Shitty Wizard. Um, there's other Shitty Wizards on Facebook, but I'm the Shitty Wizard in a leotard. Um, <laughs> so that's really my distinguishing factor if you'd like to follow me. Definitely follow Shitty Wizard. Definitely support Blow, uh, B-L-O-W-W.org. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Blow Boston, B-L-O-W-W. Uh, we really need money. Uh, we need support. We were planning, you know, at least three more big shows this year. Uh, we're an independent queer feminist wrestling league, as BQ said, and we need to survive uh, this nightmare. And uh, you guys want to see that when we're back able to finally gather in groups again, right? I mean, come on. Um, and you can find Make It Stop at www.makeitstoppodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Make It Stopcast. Uh, you can send us an email, Make It Stop Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, what should we have people send us for this episode? Uh, just send a, a naked picture of yourself with some instrument like covering up all of your naughty bits that's what i want 
I don't know yeah. why I solicited that, but I did it. And now I want it, Stoppies. And uh, stay tuned, Stoppies, for uh, announcements about our season finale coming up very soon. We're going to be getting some... Uh, some audience interaction, some audience uh, feedback on this one. You guys, we're getting back to our roots where we used to let you guys have way too much power. And uh, <laughs> once again, we're gonna uh, do that for some reason. Um, but uh, we're Give gonna make sure that- there's a sense of control in uh, uncontrollable times. It's true, it's true. Whose kitty is that right That's now? my cat screaming, I'm sorry. It's very cute. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so we'll see you next time, Stoffies. Bye. Bye. The Make It Stop podcast is recorded at the Boston Free Radio podcast studio located at Somerville Media Center in Union Square in Somerville. It is produced and edited by Heather McCormick, and the music that we use for our show has been produced by Patrick Ahern. Thanks for listening. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.